0: the show the establishment warned you about. That's right, it's the Dr. Tommy Show. We're glad you're here to join us today. We are broadcasting from the free state of Florida, as you well know. And uh, we are broadcasting both in audio and video for your convenience, uh, and you can access those feeds at drtommy.com slash podcast, and if you're interested... And other things, you can look on our YouTube site and uh, see all the different podcasts we've had in the past, plus the uh, ever so popular George Foreman versus Michael Moore video entitled "Once Upon a Time in America," with no, "Once Upon a Time in the in the Ring," which is a takeoff on the "Once Upon a Time in America" movie and "Once Upon a Time in the West" by Sergio Leone, where I uh, put a, a video up with the Michael Moore fight and the uh, George Foreman. Uh, taking his crown back from Michael Moore after 20 years. And uh, I used a video from, I'm sorry, audio from the movie Once Upon a Time in the West with Sergio Leone. And uh, it's got 75,000 views or thereabouts now. It's interesting. There's a there's a dichotomy of how people view it. Some people hate the music. Some people love the music. And, and, and they let that be known in the comments, which probably drives up the viewership, which is great for me not that i get paid for it or anything because it's copyrighted material but it's just kind of fun to see uh i don't know if you guys have been following the news on this but you probably have is the um it's interesting after the will smith incident uh happened with chris rock now we have the uh dave chappelle incident where he was attacked by a person while he was finishing up his act and he was apparently attacked by this gentleman who uh uh, perhaps took offense to his uh, his act I assume and as you know Dave Chappelle's been under attack for his uh, his jokes about transgenders and uh, those um, those people who have become very uh, agitated about him have done things like protest uh, through their job at Netflix and things like that because that's where he, Dave Chappelle has a lot of his le- recent comedy shows are put put out through Netflix and paid by Netflix anyway he uh was attacked by this guy on stage, and the guy tackled him and then after he was tackled uh chappelle got away from him and then uh it was interesting that that the guy was apparently um he was he was seen by security and then not really nobody really did anything about it so security didn't see the guy apprehend him before chappelle got to him but then afterwards i think she, the security got to him maybe but then chappelle's people got to him as well and uh, chappelle's people really did a number on him. they uh they uh they they made him into a pretzel a human pretzel so he's got some uh, orthopedic issues he's going to have to deal with if you see that on the internet uh, i was looking at some today on the internet it was, interesting. It was uh, one of my favorite channels is on YouTube is Michael Francis. He is a former capo in the uh, Colombo c- crime family, one of the five families in New York, mafia families. And he is a capo that is now reformed and uh, out of the life, so to speak. And he was interviewing Larry Elder, who Larry Elder used to have a show on 860 or right, right here in Tampa called uh, the um, W 860 WGUL. And he's, it was on Salem Broadcasting, which is they own a lot of stations across the country. Anyway, he's no longer has his radio show, and uh, apparently he's doing only uh, his only com or not comedy. His only ed- um, type of medium now is he's doing uh, Epic TV, which is put on by the Epic Times, which is a. Uh, kind of an alternative newspaper if you haven't read it I have it linked on my website dr slash podcast anyway they were talking about different things and the title of it that drew my attention was it was called uh, the ideal minimum wage is zero and the reason it drew my attention because this is something that's been talked about for a long time I've seen uh, many people talk about including Walter Williams and uh, Milton Friedman and it says that the ideal minimum wage is zero and the reason that's interesting is because people hear that and they say well, that means that you think the minimum wage should be zero—that people shouldn't make money—and you're 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 a mean person because of that. And they get—I think—they get the misconception that the government somehow sets wages, which the government doesn't set wages. In the real world, uh, the market sets wages, and so the only way that you can have a "quote unquote" minimum wage is if you have people who come together to determine what they want to pay for one's services. For instance, if I want to hire someone to pour a slab of concrete and they say, okay, uh, it's going to be $3,100, but I tell them, look, I I want to pay you $100, then they're never going to come to an agreement. So his minimum wage for that is whatever it is. And whenever I come to him with it, and we agree to that price, and that's the, the wage. Does not have to be minimum or maximum? That is, it is what it is. But the minimum wage came about because people were afraid that the workers were getting, were getting the short end of the stick. And so they said there needs to be a federal minimum wage. There needs to be a state minimum wage. And what these things are going to do is they're going to lift people out of poverty. And, uh, you know, so instead of being paid $2 an hour to shovel coal now, they're going to be paid – six dollars an hour to shovel coal and then by doing that then they're not going to be poor anymore and everybody's going to be happy what's happened with the minimum wage really is over time what the minimum wage has done is rise 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 and what it does is it inflates the cost of uh, doing business and if you see and for instance walmart here locally if you go in there uh, they have transitioned a lot of the cashiers into uh, unemployment and what they have in their place are self-checkout aisles which some of us have used already because we prefer to use a self-checkout at Walmart, but they have transitioned a lot of those employees, like I said, to the, uh, to wherever, not, not being cashiers anymore, whether they're still working at Walmart. I don't know. Uh, they may have, uh, they have, may have sent them to Bush gardens to work, but, um, the, uh, the, the minimum wage was lifted or, or raised, and people are demanding the minimum wage be like $15. And a lot of places are paying $15 just to get someone to show up to work. You know, a lot of the McDonald's you see around here are paying minimum wage in Tampa, or, or sorry, in Tampa are paying $15, which is above the minimum wage, but they're just doing that so they can get people to show up to work, $30,000 a year to work at, at McDonald's. Anyway, the, the zero minimum wage is really the uh, the price that a, a person will the lowest price that a person will possibly work for is zero of course no one's going to work for zero so then it's lower it's higher than that but what the minimum wage does too is it as walter williams used to say it cuts out the lower rungs of the ladder for the people to come in to be employed so let's say you're a person who doesn't have very very much you don't have a lot of skills you're new in the workforce you don't have any skills and someone says look I I have a job for you holding this sign, Uh, but the minimum wage is, uh, let's say it's $9 an hour. And you say, well, I'll hold the sign for $4 an hour or four fifty an hour because right now I don't have a job, I don't have any skills, and I would like to hold your sign and kind of shake it for the traffic and then hopefully get people to come in there. And then after a while, maybe I'll, I'll find uh, another opportunity within your business or another business and make more money, but this is going to be my way to kind of get my foot in the door. Well, what happens is when you have a $9 an hour minimum wage, uh, maybe you don't have a person holding a sign anymore because they decide, well, it's not worth it for me to pay someone $9 an hour to stand on the road. Or you find someone who says, look, I've had experience before. I've had a job before. It wasn't holding a sign, but it was, you know, working at McDonald's or whatever. And then that person who has the lower qualifications, who, who's never worked before, they're out of a job. So the minimum wage a lot of times will cut out the lower rungs of the economic ladder to people who are trying to enter the workforce another thing minimum wage does is it drives up the cost of labor so a lot of contracts particularly those union contracts are tied to the minimum wage so let's say that i have a contract to be a plumber or electrician or something like that and i work in a union well my minimum wage for my contract is a a multiple uh, a multiple of whatever the federal minimum wage is or whatever the federal contractor minimum wage is so as you see in um in, in the federal government recently, they enacted a uh, contractor's minimum wage, and I think it was $15 an hour. So you're not allowed to work. Uh, I mean, you're not allowed to pay a contractor less than $15 an hour to work for the federal government. And so what this does, too, is it, it again, makes people who are less, less skilled less able to enter the workforce. And as you can tell, we already have a problem. Anywhere you go, there's a shortage of labor people willing to work people willing to show up to work so that's just one of the major problems that we have but anyway the reason i brought that up is because that's what the title of the the the, uh, video was michael francis and larry elder was about the federal minimum wage i'm sorry about zero minimum wage which is the the ideal minimum wage but um there's also good stuff on there it's an hour long i liked it uh so you can actually see a link on uh, michael francis's website on his YouTube site on dr tommy.com slash podcast. Got a few other things uh caught my attention this week. Um one is it's coming out it's timely. It's called a I don't know if you've called this, it's called two thousand mules and this is a documentary um, that is put on by Dinesh D'Souza, who has done similar documentaries about uh, politics in the past. Uh, I believe he did one on Hillary Clinton before the uh, 2016 election. I believe he did one uh, during the Obama years. And um, he's done a few of them. And um, this latest one is called 2,000 Mules. And what it is, it's, it's a way that they were able to use uh, technology— through an organization called Truth, True the Vote to gather geospatial and temporal data. This is from uh, American Greatness. It says, The intelligence organization True the Vote gathered geospatial and temporal data amounting to a total of 10 trillion cell phone pings between August 1st and November 6th in the battleground states of Georgia, Arizona, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Texas. Now, why does that sound familiar? Well... Georgia, Arizona, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania were the states that basically swung the election to Joe Biden, and did so in the in the wee hours of the morning. If you were remember, if you all were watching the during twenty twenty election night around midnight or so, it looked like uh, Donald Trump was heading to a huge, uh, not a huge, but he was headed to a very comfortable win. Went to bed, woke up, next morning, guess what? Not so much. And uh, more and more, uh, Joe Biden made up ground in these key battleground states. It says, the researchers looked at data surrounding ballot drop boxes in the target areas, as well as UPS stores and select government, commercial, and non-governmental organization facilities. And what they were able to do is they were able to locate these uh, so-called mules, who were people who were taking ballots. To these ballot drop boxes so this is the way that they were doing it they were taking the ballots gathering them up and then depositing them in the drop boxes and presumably uh, these ballots were not legit and uh, that hasn't been proven but if you look at this uh, documentary and i haven't seen it yet uh, it premieres actually in person this week and then there's going to be a digital premiere on may 7th so that's you can watch that online for twenty dollars but it says here it says uh each trafficker or mule went to an average of 23 ballot drop boxes according to the researchers the mules collected ballots from stash houses in the targeted areas and deposited them in the drop boxes often in the wee mornings uh wee hours of the morning from 1 to 5 a.m so they gathered these packages and then they took them to these different locations and they they Went to different ones, so they they didn't just get all of their stuff at or drop all of their you know ten thousand votes all in one place. They went from here and they dropped some here and they dropped some here, and that's to avoid suspicion. Obviously, it says over the course of several weeks, the vote traffickers made multiple trips to drop boxes using gloves to conceal their fingerprints and take photos to secure payment. D'Souza notes the traffickers started wearing gloves a few days after a ballot harvesting case in Arizona secured indictments based on fingerprint evidence. This is interesting, too, because they on this this AM Greatness um, article, if you click on it, they have a couple links here to Twitter videos. I think it's Twitter where they're showing these people from the video and because they, a lot of these places have video, a lot of places in general have video. You don't even know about it, public places. Um, but anyway, these, these a lot of, around these Dropbox had video and it's just like, uh, you see when they deliver the Uber eats, uh, to, to the, to people. And then they, they show them, uh, they, they put the food down by the, by the door and they knock on the door and then they snap the picture and then they run off. And during COVID they would run off, uh, in the in the in the yard in the outside they would drop the food off with rubber gloves and a mask and then they would knock 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 or they take a picture then they knock 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 and run to their and run to their uh, car because you don't want to get covid out in the the open anyway so that's what happened is uh, they would drop off these uh, ballots in the drop boxes and they take a picture and then uh, supposedly i guess you'd send it to your whoever your the runner is that's you know giving you the money now, this, like I said, this is what this this mule's uh, documentary purports. I'm not saying that's actually what happened uh, because we don't know. Uh, Bill Barr said nothing happened, uh, so we never had any investigations of any types of improprieties. So there you go. Uh, True, the vote estimates that twenty thousand votes were illegally illegally trafficked in Arizona, fourteen thousand in Wisconsin. Two hundred seventy-five thousand in Pennsylvania, one hundred twenty-five thousand in Michigan, and thirty thousand in Georgia, totaling three hundred eighty thousand votes, which is more than enough to sway the election. Minus these illegal ballots, this is from granted, this is from their opinion, D'Souza's opinion. Minus these illegal ballots, Trump's electoral college votes would have been two seventy-nine to Biden's two fifty-nine. All right, so let's just back up a little bit and say, okay, this this is not true. Let's say it's not true. Or let's say we don't know if this is true or not. If, if you did not know this was true and if you were an honest person, would you want to know or would you want to just say this, this isn't true and just forget about it? Because if this happened to Joe Biden's team, let's say, let's say instead of these uh, ballots, mules being dropping ballots for Joe Biden, they were dropping ballots for uh, Donald Trump. Would people out there want to know? Would ABC want to know? Would the New York Times want to know? Would this FBI want to know? Uh, you're damn right they would. And uh, so I think it I think it deserves our attention at least uh, intellectually, but also it deserves the attention. I believe. Uh, from officials to say, what is what is going on here? What happened? Because this is the presidential election, and you know, if this was, let's say, you have this on Twitter right now, or say it's on YouTube right now, it it probably what's going to happen on YouTube right now is because they're going to be able to use a computer to go through and see what I've said. They're going to put a little asterisk by my uh, podcast here, and they're going to say, uh, "Learn the truth" of, or, or "Learn the facts about the election," and and then they'll link to um media matters it'll link to some some type of uh left-wing outfit fact checker maybe be fact and they'll say there there is no evidence at all that there was any ballot trafficking or there was anything other than the greatest most secure election ever and like i said it very well may have been the most secure election that's what they said here you know de souza says uh D'Souza pointed out that before the premiere of his new documentary film, that government officials and their allies in the media repeated the mantra that the election was the most secure in American history. And he says the only way you could prove that was if you were to complain, compare the amount of fraud in 2020 with 2016, 2012, with twenty eight and 2024 or, or 2004, 2008, and 2004. Uh, and show that there is far less fraud now than any of those elections. But that was not done. That was not done because this was not something that anybody wanted to know outside of that narrow group of people, which was half the voters, and then uh, maybe uh, uh, here and there a few media outlets. But otherwise, they just want to sweep this under the rug. And they they may still sweep it under the rug. But I think if you watch this overnight like I did – it was very unnerving how the 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 numbers of, of votes for the the gap between Trump and Biden just slowly 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 went away. And this this I think this documentary is going to go a long way to uh, providing some explanation of how that happened. Okay, the uh, they call it the uh, prom for the ugly or something like that. They call it the nerd prom. Uh, or but but politics in general is called Hollywood for the ugly. Anyway, the nerd prom is the White House correspondence Dinner, the self self proclaimed nerd prom, and it says this is from the Blaze. Journalists test positive for COVID after attending White House Correspondents' Dinner. Attendees were required to prove vaccination, common negative test. So uh, the White House Correspondents' Dinner was held for the first time now in six years because the whole time during the um, Trump presidency, he said, no thanks. Uh, I'm not interested because the White House Correspondents' Dinner is about white house people who are correspondents basically congratulating themselves and uh you know having fun with themselves and the white house correspondence is i believe it when during when um clinton was elected they did a poll and it's like 92 percent people who who were in that um, kind of realm the media in dc voted for donald trump i'm sorry bill clinton and I, they have no reason to believe it's changed since then. Anyway, uh, the White House Correspondence Dinner, if, after this, it said that uh, there's a bunch of people who uh, tested positive for COVID. So it says, comedian Trevor Noah joked that the White House Correspondents' Dinner held on April 30th was, quote, the nation's most distinguished super spreader event. Now we know that Noah's quip was more reality than a joke. Numerous journalists who attended the event, including staffers for NBC, CBS, ABC, CNN, Political, and others have tested positive for COVID-19 since the dinner one of those fallen ill is abc's jonathan carl who directly interacted with president joe biden and so we also know that recently an anthony blinken has tested positive we know that kamala harris tested positive and what do all these people have in common well they're all vaccinated they're all boosted they're all everything that you're supposed to do they've done and these used to be called breakthrough cases I don't know if you remember, not 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 very recently, uh, we were treated by no other none other than the president of the United States telling us that breakthrough cases were so rare. So rare. It was like unicorn rare. It was you know, you don't even need to think about it. A breakthrough case is just like one in a one in a blue moon. Was he, he the number he used was one in five thousand or something like that. Clearly, breakthrough cases which they don't use the terminology anymore because it, it's lost all meaning because there's nothing to do with the it. breakthrough. It's cases um, amongst people who've been vaccinated are so common that they don't even they don't even talk about it anymore. Um, but this is interesting because again, I am not I'm not saying that people who got vaccinated wasted their time. I'm not saying that at all. I think that people who wanted to get the vaccine who got it are absolutely. Uh, That is what, that's what being a healthy person's about is doing the things that you think are right for you, uh, within reason. Uh, if you think healthy is, uh, you know, doing lines of cocaine, then that's actually a bad idea. But if you think uh getting this vaccine helped you and you then and you wanted to do it, then absolutely should have done it. But what I'm saying about this vaccine is that and what I've always said is no one should have ever been forced to get this vaccine. And the reason they forced us to get it or forced people to get it was because they said that if you didn't, you were going to spread it, just like every one of these people did. Every one of these people that was a White House correspondence Dinner who were double-vaxxed, quadruple-vaxxed, they spread it. And that's the, what we were told. The unvaxxed are the, 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 the ones that are spreading this disease. They were the typhoid Mary's. They were the ones that were going to be out there keeping us locked down because they just wouldn't do their part and they couldn't they were too selfish to to do what they were supposed to do and that if they just got the vaccine then we could all stop this you know you heard this amongst all of the different uh talking heads uh that they're you know if people would just do what they're supposed to do and, and you can still see it right now if you were on facebook i don't know if you are but I, I bet that there are people still out there saying that the reason that with the COVID's still going on is because there's unvaxed out there, but they are completely immune to this type of um, information, or they don't know about this information, and it's a very good chance that it's the latter because. Uh, stuff like this will never be reported in a critical way in uh, the Washington Post, in New York Times, C- CBS, uh, CNN, uh, MSNBC, any of that will never report critically on the the idea that isn't this isn't this strange that all of these people who are quadruple vaxxed, who have all of have done everything they're supposed to do, people are very responsible like Kamala Harris and all of these uh, good journalists, they all are quadruple vaxxed and they all got the vaccine they all got the disease and they all spread it apparently because they got it you know and they said that they had to have a negative test when they went there so they either had a and here's the other thing i put more credence in a negative test than did the vaccine why for the obvious reasons if you get a if you go to the white house correspondence dinner and you have a negative test that day i think the chance of you having covid after that is slim however if you are vaccinated I, I presume that you don't have to have a negative test. Uh, it says that they were attendees required to prove vaccines, vac- vaccination, common negative test. I take that to mean it was one or the other. And my guess would be uh, if it was both, then that really throws a wrench into the plans of those who say the vaccine is what's important because it, if these people both had vaccines and a negative test and they still spread COVID around, then there is absolutely no reason to ever test again. And there's absolutely no reason to ever have vaccines except for, as, as a requirement, uh, there's no reason to have that because it does nothing. Now, if you need a test to see if someone's got COVID, so you know if to treat them for COVID or if you're going to treat them for flu or if you're going to treat them for a bacterial infection, that's a different thing. Or if you want to say the vaccine is going to help you stay out of uh, stay out of the hospital or something like that. But to, to be still on the bandwagon that the vaccines are stopping COVID transmission, you have to be crazy. Uh, The Federal Reserve is going to have its fastest rate hikes in three decades in desperate attempt to stave off recession. This is from The Blaze. It says, with growing concerns over an inevitable recession, the Federal Reserve plans to raise interest rates at its fastest clip in three decades. Well, that's bad news. Why is that bad news? Well, it's bad news because raising those rates means that people who are out there trying to buy a house right now. Are they're going to end up paying a lot of money in interest, and people who have credit card debt are going to pay a lot of money in interest. And this is uh, something that's necessary. It's it's necessary to fix inflation. Uh, you have to raise the interest rates to fix inflation. That's what was done in, in Paul Volcker in the in the Reagan administration, and it caused a recession. But then they finally. Uh, fixed inflation because right inflation was out of control under uh, Jimmy Carter, as it is out of control under Joe Biden. Anyway. Uh, So, But it says here that the Fed is going to raise interest rates, and they apparently raised them by half a percent. But then they announced, I just saw earlier today uh, on the market news there, I believe it was on Robinhood, that the market uh, rebounded today, or was it yesterday? Because then they said, well, we're not going to raise interest rates again uh, so soon. So they kind of backed off. What was reported is going to be multiple rate hikes to say, look, we think this 50, 50 basis points hike, 0.5% is going to be enough to to fix the recession. But as I look at it now, the uh, stock market does not look so good. And um, it may be soon that we're going to see the reality of what uh, Donald Trump was warning us about. And I hope it's not true. He said that if Joe Biden gets elected, you're going to see the worst depression That you've ever seen we'll see but i don't know if you're on there and the bad thing is if you're in the market to buy a house it's going to be worse for you to more expensive for you to buy a house but at the same time if you're renting you can't afford to rent either because the rent keeps going up every time you renew your lease the rent goes up so what are people going to do are people i mean and then so as as businesses uh spend more money on interest Then there's going to be potentially unemployment because the businesses aren't able to spend as much money on employees as they do to service their debt. So there's going to be less jobs, fewer jobs. Also, people are spending more money on interest, so they're not able uh, to spend as freely with other things. That automatically makes the uh, economy slow down and then more people are out of work. So the recession, coming recession, most likely is going to be hopefully not a depression the the recession we're now in the second quarter the first quarter was negative growth it was negative 1.4% i think and now we're in the we are in the second quarter you can't tell what a depre- i'm sorry recession is until after the fact but the likelihood is that this quarter will not be uh, positive growth it's very unlikely if the first quarter was negative growth then this quarter as things are going now as i'm looking at the the dow um uh, it's down, it's only down a tenth of a percent right now. But overall, it's dropped a lot from the beginning of the beginning of the uh, month. Either way. Uh, it's gonna. It's just going to get worse. And so you think maybe we are already in a recession. But recession, by definition, is one of those things you can't say until it's already happened. So it's an after-the-fact thing. But we are in the midst of the second quarter. There's a good chance this quarter is going to be negative growth. After this quarter is over, they're going to look back and say it was negative growth. Then you're going to say, yes, there's a recession. But the chances are you're in a recession now. Uh, this is, uh well... This is uh, got to do with Roe v. Wade. So, biggest court case, maybe in my lifetime for sure. And it wasn't even my lifetime, but the biggest court case that's ever been talked about is Roe v. Wade. The the uh, the the lawsuit that said in its ruling that there is a constitutional. Right to abortion, and so apparently there was a well, not apparently there was a leak of a circulating um, opinion written supposedly by Samuel Alito that's saying that uh, there was five justices on the court, presumably because it was a a majority opinion circulating that uh, Roe v. Wade was going to be basically overturned, and which would then make it to where abortion was decided by states people have this misconception that overturning roe v wade means that there'll never ever be another abortion which is not right which is not true it's it's the states will decide it so that's the big that's the big concern is that the states are going to be able to decide abortion laws and it will not not be protected by this uh, supreme court ruling roe v wade well anyway it was leaked and um uh it was leaked by presumably a liberal uh, justices clerk, that's the idea. Is that there was only I think it was thirty six people who could have got this document, who were have, uh, who could have obtained this document and then leaked it. And the the thought is, is it was done by one of the uh, liberal Supreme Court uh, justices uh, clerks in order to just basically blow blow the cover of it and, and make it politically untenable for those in the majority to uh, continue on so the majority it appears for this ruling would have been uh samuel alito who they think wrote it because of his his style of writing clarence thomas uh cavanaugh uh coney barrett and gorsuch and then the swinger uh, John Roberts uh, swung, uh, as he is apt to do, to the left, to the liberal side. with to to right with Breyer, um, K- um, sorry, Kagan, and Sotomayor. So the four liberals, um, uh, John Roberts, um, Breyer, Kagan, and Sotomayor, dissented apparently. Okay, so anyway. So this is what's going on. But there's a uh, funny thing that happened is that Joy Behar on The View has said that in order to basically swing this back to their favor, she is recommending a sex strike over Roe v. Wade. So it says the view, this is from the blaze. The view host Joy Behar called on women to go on a sex strike to protest a possible overturning of Roe v. Wade by the Supreme court. The proposed act of defiance and support of abortion was widely panned on social media based on ruthless Twitter reactions. So this is a uh, 79 year old Joy Behar. She says, we have more power than you think we do. And some of it could be in the bedroom. Just saying, Now that's a disgusting thing to think about, uh, in my mind. But anyway, that's just something that you should be on the lookout for. If your, you know, significant other starts acting a little cold, and uh, um, you know, and if you find out that she's been watching the view, or you know she watches the view, or 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 he watches the view, whoever whoever it is, your partner is watches the view, and then they start acting cold to you, it may be that Joy Behar got to him, and I don't know how you fix that. And I really don't. Uh, back to this is more stuff about that. It says Democrats quietly scrub abortion bill language saying men can get pregnant. So there was a move, this effort to say, OK, they're going to strike down Roe v. Wade. We're going to we're going to pass a law now that says uh, what basically Roe v. Wade said in a court ruling, we're going to pass it as a. As a matter of fact, as a law, a federal law, which is what they should do if they really want to do it. Uh, so oftentimes, uh, the left relies on the government to impose rulings or things that they should think should be done uh, through the courts and or through the administrative bureaucracy, i.e., the executive executive branch, the non elected executive branch. So a lot of times, they'll try to you know they say, look. Uh, we, we want, we want to do, um, let's say abortion. We don't, abortion is, um, we want this to happen. And then the courts now are saying, well, it can't, it can't have it. So the right way to do it would be to pass a law. You're the elected, you're the people's elected representatives. And if the, the you're the people you're representing want this, then you should pass a law. But a lot of times that's too hard because you have to get consensus. You have to get more than one person, or you have to get a group of people to agree. And so it's easier to say uh, the secretary of health shall uh, shall determine or the secretary of health shall write rules about this. Or you have a judge out there who says uh, maybe this isn't the way it should be and it should be this way. Then suddenly that becomes the law. Anyway, it says here, the latest version of the Women's Health Protection Act, which would effectively make abortion a statutory right, scrubbed references to transgender and non-binary people's pregnancies, as well as the language related to, quote, reproductive justice. So uh, apparently they had this bill out there and they said that uh, in the early drafts of it, it said um, the newest version removed references to white supremacy and gender oppression. Apparently, because that kind of muddies the water. So if you're. You know, it's like it's like this thing you're trying to make an argument and you make the argument succinct. You try to make it succinct, complete and uh, don't get lost in the weeds. And you start throwing in there things about, um, you know, white supremacy and gender oppression and kind of dilute your argument. Anyway, it says... Um, uh, clarifying that his provisions applied to anyone with the, quote, capacity for pregnancy, including, quote, transgender men, non-binary, of indivi- non-binary individuals, those who identify with a different gender and others. So they were trying to say, look pregnancy uh, it's not enough to say it's a women's health protection act we got us i guess the uh, transgender men non-binary of individuals uh, those who identify as a different gender and others and women's health protection act was too long so they just called it the women's health protective act but then threw in this caveat uh, about people and this is getting back uh, i think we're going to look back on these times it's one of the stupider times in our life and in and, and the in and the in the life of our our country and society and culture in general is uh, when we're getting into these things that are, uh, you know, where we're arguing about transgender men having being pregnant. And, um, I just, uh, I know that there's some people out there who transgender who, who don't like the way that they are. Okay. They don't, they don't like being a female or they don't like being a male. And then they come to this deliberative process and it's, and it makes them uneasy. So then they, they decide they're going to change. Okay. So Bruce Jenner wants to become Caitlyn Jenner. And then she does, he does, she does, he does. Anyway, that's one thing. But then you say, well, okay, we're going to, we're going to, uh, we're going to, um, we're going to say to this person, look, that's great. Your your life is... You're happier now. Everyone's happier. You've hurt no one. And uh, congratulations. Um, God be with you. Okay? But then it's not enough. So then you have to have these people come in who are writing these Women's Health Protection Act and start saying, "All right, let's write a bill on abortion." All right, and they start writing a bill on abortion and they call it a Women's Health Protection Act. Okay, we're going to write it to protect these women from these terrible people who want to uh say that the state should decide when uh, abortion is legal or not. These terrible people who decide that want to think that the state should have anything to say with it. But then they say, "Wait, wait, wait it's not enough. Yeah, you know, we have to throw in there the non the non-binary individuals. Okay, okay. Let's say Women's health, non-binary, women and non-binary individuals health protection. No, 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 no. We got to call it transgender, non-binary. And then before you know it, you just, you're down this path. It's just so idiotic to me that uh, we're living in these times, we're living in these times where, Plexiglass uh, is thought to prevent viral transmission. Uh, we're living in these times when uh, we have to have transgender man emojis holding their bellies just to be inclusive, and um, you know it goes back to the first thing we we're talking about with 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 Chappelle getting attacked. So Chappelle getting attacked is is nothing more than the outgrowth of this type of behavior. The you know this 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 belief that. We have to have all of these uh, people who believe this, and if you don't believe it, then you're you're not inclusive. Uh, And so you have this thing where you have Dave Chappelle being attacked on stage. And uh, this is an outgrowth of the same type of mentality where people are saying, uh, we don't like to hear what you have to say on our college campus. And uh, because of that, we're not going to allow you to speak. And we're going to hold demonstrations and things just because what you say, what you're talking about, we don't agree with. And it makes us upset. And so we're going to uh, protest your speech if you're Ben Shapiro, Rand Coulter, or uh, I can't remember who. Oh, Mike Pence. You know, Mike Pence is like the most uh, unaggressive uh, uh, conservative person there is, and he tried to speak at a. Uh, it was a turning point. You no, it wasn't turning point. It was a Young Americans for Freedom event, and they tried to cancel him out. Anyway, so that these, these individuals that grew up on these college campuses, they go to the, these schools where the, the, the faculty there teach them and indoctrinate them and say, uh, what you believe is the most important. You shouldn't, you shouldn't allow other people's beliefs to threaten yours. And if they do threaten yours, you should demand that they not be allowed to talk and you should silence them. And I'll march with you and we'll, we'll put on our hats, our pink hats, and we'll go and march and make sure that uh, the uh, Mike Pence can't speak. And we'll make sure that your your ears are not polluted by their different opinions, which is harmful to you. And your mind must remain this mush uh, thing that I mold and I manipulate and uh, CNN manipulates. And your mind cannot be allowed to expand past those boundaries. And so you have these kids that go in on college campuses like this. And they're told, you know, freedom of speech, your freedom of speech is uh, endangered by someone else talking. I've actually heard them say that. They said that uh so somebody came to speak on campus and they said, You can't speak here because I have freedom of speech, which they take to mean that because your speech doesn't agree with their speech, then you don't have any ability to speak because in their mind, freedom of speech means their right not to be offended, which it does not say in the Constitution. And even it didn't say in the Constitution or did it's not natural. Natural law is that you have the freedom to express yourself. There's no natural law that says you have the freedom to always have people around you who agree with you and you have the freedom not to be offended ever. That's not, that's not natural. What's natural is you should be allowed to be unmolested. You should be allowed to, uh, uh, uh you should be allowed to, uh, organize yourself with people that you believe the same things that you believe or uh, you know, uh, allow yourself to be exposed to those who don't believe this thing. You have the freedom of association, and you should be allowed to speak without risk of punishment or, for, or for government intrusion. But what they do is these people, they go on these college campuses and they, they get their minds just twisted and torn and manipulated. And then before you know it, they come out thinking that, you know, they go work for Amazon or Netflix and they say, uh, or Disney. And they say, if you don't believe exactly as I believe, I'm going to demonstrate and I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to get on social media and I'm going to blow up Twitter. And then you're going to have to come on your knees and, uh, you're going to have to come and beg for me for forgiveness. And then if you have the, audacity to go and make a joke that i don't agree with i'm going to rush you on stage and if you're like the guy who rushed uh, dave chappelle on stage then you're going to rush him on stage and then promptly need to see an orthopedist to do whatever needs to be done to put your arm back into the way it was before you got there I had some more stuff here on Pfizer, uh, Daniel Horowitz, but it's, uh, it's a little long and I think it would be too long to talk about, but anyway, it's on conservativereview.com conservative review.com. It's Daniel Hor- Horowitz. What did Pfizer know and when three important findings and talks about how Pfizer needed to, needed to hire a bunch of new staff just to deal with the, uh, uh, adverse events, complaining complaints, and also, uh, it talked about Pfizer, immunity, what Pfizer knew about natural immunity, and then also the rates of myocarditis. And this is part of the ongoing release of information that was ordered by this judge uh, because of FOIA requests from public health and medical professionals for transparency um, and also from the Informed Consent Action Network. They requested these documents. These are the documents that Pfizer wanted to keep hushed up for 75 years, if you can believe that and this federal just says you can't but anyway there's some interesting stuff coming up if you're interested in reading more about that go to conservativereview.com and check out daniel horowitz and it's it's pretty eye-opening especially for those of you who are you know skeptics about you know how government works with big companies uh that's it for today if you're interested in joining learning more about dr tommy show go to dr tommy.com slash podcast and uh if you are interested in learning more about our practice come in to see us and we'll give you a, a in-person consultation we'll talk about your healthcare needs and whether or not we're the right fit for you and uh, if you're looking for a doctor who will be able to dress you one-on-one without the uh, in and in, um, you know the bureaucracy without all of the middlemen that so is common in today and without all the wasted time on the phone and frustration and all that, Nonsense. Come and see us. Okay. And until next time, we'll see you later. Bye bye.